Hey guys, this is Tress Wayfinder for the Redskins, and you're listening to the Sports King on Sports 1061. Coastal Carolina University offers you the academic experiences you need to succeed after college. From marine science to computer science, from theater to music technology, from hospitality management to health administration, there is a place for you at Coastal Carolina University. With inspired learning opportunities in the classroom, in the field, online, and around the world, Coastal Carolina offers the opportunities to support and empower your success. Visit coastal.edu to learn more. Hi, I'm Tim Cosgrove, GM at CMA's Colonial Honda. It's no secret that we are in uncharted waters, but that doesn't mean we should be afraid because we are doing everything we can to keep our dealership clean and offering delivery services to minimize exposure. We've also opened a helpline for assistance of any kind, including grocery or medication pickup. Please call our CMA helpline at 434-220-8885. Visit cmascolonialhonda.com to learn more. CMA's Colonial Honda, moving lives forward. Sports King Show, live on Sports 1061. The show with scores, interviews, the hottest topics, and the biggest sports stories of the day. It's the show where you'll hear from the players that make the plays, as well as the key coaches and personnel who make it happen. All of this and live phone calls from you, the Sports King Nation. Now, direct from his castle, located in an undisclosed location in the capital city of Richmond, Virginia, let's welcome to the throne, His Highness, Jamie King, the Sports King, on Sports 1061. And good morning, everyone. Welcome, Sports King Nation, the Sports King Show. We are excited to join you this Monday morning, 27th of the month. It's flying by, but for us, it's second verse, same as the first. We're trying to get through it. Another day closer to normalcy is what we're hoping for. Another day closer to sports. We're hearing some rumblings about possible movements with the uh, the NBA doing some things to try to get certain teams back into camp. I don't know how that's going to work. Uh, who gets a competitive advantage there? We're going to talk about that. But, of course, we want to start off with the NFL draft, recapping that. And then, of course, the last dance, which was last night, 9 p.m. on ESPN, the third and fourth installments. And I'm telling you, folks, absolutely mesmerizing when you see some of the things that went on behind the scenes and Michael Jordan, you're seeing things and probably seeing aspects of Michael Jordan you never thought about in terms of you see the squeaky clean image, but you see behind the scenes he was a taskmaster, master, a guy that demanded excellence, and that's part of his greatness. I have no fault in that at all. Uh, the funniest aspect uh, we'll talk about a little later is when Dennis Rodman took a vacation in the middle of the year and decided he wanted to go to Vegas. We'll talk about that after a while, but uh, to see the reaction on Jordan's face when Phil Jackson went to him and said, hey, what do you think about this? He needs a vacation. <laughs> Jordan said, if anybody needs a vacation, it's me. But uh, the funny aspect of that whole thing was when Jackson said, well, he's only going to be gone for 48 hours. I promise you, 48 hours. And Jordan looked at Phil Jackson and said, this guy's not going to be gone for 48 hours, coach. I'm telling you, this guy's going to be gone for some time. And he ended up being gone for days. So we'll get into that a little bit later. But we want to start with the NFL draft, uh, specifically Washington Redskins. And I went into Friday night with so much hope, so much excitement, like that kid at Christmas waiting to unwrap the presents, like many of you out there. And... The first present we opened up at number two, Chase Young, the guy that we thought we would get the whole time, and we did get him. 
And I sat there, I was exalting, I was excited. I was like, well, this is a guy. And it really sunk in that this is our defensive end. This is a guy that's going to change things and demand double teams. He's a great player, no question about it. But as the picks went on, and I'm not saying they did a horrific job by any means, but when I got done, I really sat there and went through every pick and looked at film and looked at more film, and I was like, eh, okay, I gave it a C- minus overall for the Redskins. And here's why. Uh, Antonio Gibson, the wide receiver out of Memphis, they took with the uh, second pick overall, pick number 66 in the third round, is a guy that is talented, folks. He's 6'2", 221-pounder. He's a talented guy. Uh, He's a Swiss Army knife. He can do a lot of things. He's very productive. Uh, He can kick return. Uh, He's a weapon on offense. But wasn't the weapon I was hoping for. I wanted that big, tall receiver right out of the gate. And uh, yes, he is a guy that uh, does have so many aspects to him, which I think is what the value aspect they were looking for. But I was still looking for somebody else in terms of that situation. So that didn't go the way I thought it was going to go in terms of uh, pick number uh, 66 in the third round. So that was kind of a surprise to me. I thought the value, and I'm not saying Gibson can't be a great player, I'm just saying that I didn't think the value was there in terms of what uh, they should have got at 66. So that was just something I felt there. Then you move on to uh, the round four pick, uh, pick 108, Sadiq Charles. Now, here's the deal with him. Tremendous upside from a size standpoint, 6'4", 295. He's a road grader. Okay, so that's the positives. Uh, Of course, we heard about the trade that went down and I'll get to that in a moment with uh, Trent, Trent Williams in terms of uh, my thoughts on that. But when you look at uh, Sadiq Charles, a tackle who protected Joe Burrow's blindside, and you have to remember Joe Burrow had a record-setting year, so it was in large part because of Sadiq Charles. So if he can bring to the Redskins what he brought to LSU, we've got something here. Okay, That's the positives. The negatives are the red flags. Um, he was unreliable at times, uh, failed drug tests, uh, multiple failed drug tests. Uh, An anonymous scout, and I hate anonymous scouts, I hate anonymous anything, somebody won't put their name on it, but this scout said, quote, I wish you could trust him, but you can't, end quote. Uh, So there's a lack of trust there. But when you sign your name to a contract and you look Ron Rivera in the face and you say, I'm going to be your guy, I'm going to come in here and do this, that, and the other, you better do it because if not, uh, your career will be short. He's got the size. He's got the talent. He's got a lot of arm strength at the point of contact. I, I, I like the kid. I think uh, he's got a lot of ability. The problem is, can you trust him? Is he a guy that's going to earn the trust of the staff, of the team, of the fans? You know, we hope for the best, but once again, hope's not always the best strategy. I've gone on record saying that. So you wonder uh, right there, pick number 108 around four. Good quality pick from a size standpoint, but how's that going to translate into a performance standpoint? Can we trust a guy? Is he going to get in there and develop into a top flight tackle? Remains to be seen. Pick number four, 142. We went with Liberty's uh, AGG, like the old song, you down with OPP or you down with AGG? I'm down with AGG. Uh, Liberty player, 6'4", 223. The receiver I wanted from a size standpoint, 
Uh, he's had back-to-back 1,000-yard receiving seasons, 10 touchdowns, two highly productive years. That's the great news. The not-so-great news, he did it at Liberty. And Liberty joined FBS competition. Uh, and, you know, they've definitely done well. Hugh Freeze has done a great job there. Uh, he's got 4-6 speed. You know, they're looking at him as a Z player, a Z wideout. Uh, so he's done some great things. He's got very good catch radius. He just has been at a smaller school, and he overpowered opponents at the smaller school. The question in the rub for me is, how is that going to translate to playing with the big boys in terms of you know these guys at the next level, uh, facing all pros, facing top-end guys? How are you going to compare and how are you going to step up your game to go against these guys every single weekend? So the question there was, yes, I love the size. Yes, I love his productivity at Liberty. How will that translate to the NFL? Once again, question mark. So I got a question mark with my second overall pick. I got a question mark with my third overall pick, a question mark at my fourth. You see the trend here, folks? It, it just gave me a lot of pause. So I'm sitting there and feeling a little down about things because I'm like, wait a minute, I have more questions than answers with these guys. And that's what's bothering me about the Skins draft so far. And that's why I gave them a C minus. Okay, in the fifth round, I picked number 156. They went with a center, Keith Ismael, out of San Diego State. Okay, now he's 6'3", 309. So the thought of a, a guard slash center, Keith Ismael, a guy that earned uh, – uh, three straight All-Mountain West honors playing out there. Uh, he did some great things, and he's strong. He's 21 years old, so he's going to get better. He's going to be a backup probably to start, but he could compete for a starting job. Uh, he's got a lot of talent, but the question is, uh, you know, how is he going to fit in? How long will it take him to get in there in terms of uh, performing for a starting job? So he was a three-year starter. And he did a lot of great things. but So I was happy with that in terms of Keith Ismael, a guy that could be a center for the future for the Redskins. So that kind of eased the pain a little bit. Then we go to the next pick, 162. Kaliki Hudson, the linebacker from Michigan, six foot, 220-pounder. Um, a lot to like about him. Uh, he is a guy that did uh, 21 uh, reps at the Combine in terms of strength. Uh, but he plays uh, sometimes not as big as he should in terms of uh, getting bullied at the point of contact. Um, he did some impressive things, but you wonder in terms of overall performance, uh, he didn't always play his best uh, and didn't always stand out. So he needs to work on his coverage skills, his ball skills. He has a mental makeup that's strong, and he has a speedy aspect to him and he could compete. Uh, his four, five, six speed was something I really loved about him. His productivity at Michigan, 102 tackles as a senior. So he really went on an upward trajectory in terms of his play. So I liked what he was doing. So I circled him and said, you know what? Okay, I feel good about this. A guy that could come in here and compete, Kaliki Hudson, uh, is a guy that uh, you know has a lot of ability. And I looked at him as a linebacker that could really come in and learn from a Thomas Davis senior. So I was... I was okay there. Okay, then we go to the seventh round for the Redskins, and we're recapping the draft from this past weekend on the Sports King on Sports 1061. Cameron Curl, the safety out of Arkansas. And I looked at his size, and I love his size, 6'2", 198. And 
He's a three-year starting safety at Arkansas. Very productive in college. 76 tackles, four turnovers as a junior. He's done some great things. He ran a 4-6 at the combine, but he had a 34.5 vertical. So he looks as a guy that's going to be a potential backup here. And you wonder if he's the guy that can really step in and be a starter at this level right away or he's going to have to work his way on the special teams. So you wonder, but Cameron Curl is a guy that 6'2", 198, gives you the size you want to go back there and uh, do what you need from a safety position. Now, where the Redskins lost me, and I know in the seventh round you're hoping for value, but you don't always know if you're going to get the value you want. Uh, They went with James Smith-Williams. Okay, He's a defensive lineman from North Carolina State. Okay, so this is where I was like, Head scratchery, 6'3", 265-pounder. Now, that's the good news. Um, The situation with him was he was often injured. Uh, He struggled to stay on the field. He missed uh, five games his last year, and he had continual issues with year after year, uh, multiple years, multiple injuries. So you wonder, uh, one thing that I look for from a playing standpoint, if I'm evaluating a player, uh, you can't make the club – if you're in the tub and this guy has been circled with a lot of questions from a durability standpoint. So you wonder, is this the guy? And I just don't know if he's somebody that you look at and say, okay, he's got good size. I think he had one sack a senior year, wasn't very productive from that edge. So you wonder if he's going to bring about what he needs to. Now, if you're looking at him as a guy that, okay, he's got potential, we can work with him. We can get him to a certain level. Okay. Maybe we're taking a flyer on. So, In looking at the entire body of picks outside of Chase Young, and let's be honest, uh, Stevie Wonder could have picked Chase Young. It didn't take anybody to see this guy to know about this guy. You could basically pick him based on the talent level. That was an easy pick. Anybody could pick that. Beyond that, question marks, question marks. So that's why I give him a C grade. And that's uh, really, I left really feeling, uh, okay, could be good. Might be good. Hopefully will be good, but I'm not sure it's going to be good. Now, let me say this. When I look at big winners, folks, I'm going to tell you the winner of the draft to me, the team that really stood out to me was the Baltimore Ravens draft. I mean, the Baltimore Ravens absolutely crushed the NFL draft. And I'm going to give John John Harbaugh and that staff uh, tremendous credit. From my standpoint, here's the deal. It's a case of the rich getting richer. I mean, they went and got some guys that you're like, holy cow. I mean, you take a 14-2 and team, and they're getting better. So the Ravens, they went into this prepared. They got Patrick Queen from LSU, the linebacker. I mean, they've got Kenneth Murray. Uh, I mean, they've got guys that can really contribute right away. Uh, you got defensive coordinator uh, Wink Martindale, uh, who is just frothing at the mouth over these guys. I mean, he's got a ton of talent. When you look at the draft of the Ravens, you walk away and say, wait a minute, you got a 14 and 2 team that just marketably got better. And so when I sit there and say, okay, what about my team outside of the first pick? I, I went in thinking, hey, it wasn't really well thought out in terms of. Uh, the talent level as it is now. Now, I'm not saying these guys can't develop, and I pray they do develop. And maybe there are things that 
the coaches see that they say, hey, these guys can help us in what we're going to do. Okay, so that's the hope. But once again, I'd rather go with guys I feel a lot better about. Now, the Redskins did make a late uh, free agent signing that I was really high on, the one I wanted the most, and that's uh, Thaddeus Moss, the tight end son of Randy Moss, a guy that was very productive. Productive at LSU, a guy that I think is going to be productive with the Redskins. Because look at the tight end situation for the Redskins. You have Jeremy Sprinkle, once again, a guy that's a guy. And Logan Thomas, Virginia Tech, former quarterback. Another blocker, maybe catch a few balls, but nobody's going to strike fear in anybody's heart. Let's be honest about it. So when you look at these guys, you have to have somebody in there that can do something. And that is where Thaddeus Moss comes in. He's got speed, he's a heck of a blocker, and he's nasty. He's a nasty guy. And we need somebody in the middle that can create space and get some freedom for the outside. If not, if you're a coach from an opposing team, you come into this team right now as it is, and you play a high safety or bracket McLaren and everybody else play man, and you got this team. I mean, let's face it, there's not enough weapons on the outside to really do anything from a Washington Redskin offensive standpoint. Throw in a shaky offensive line and a backup quarterback or a reserve quarterback or an average quarterback right now, because right now we don't know what we have a quarterback. And then you've got a lot of question marks. Okay, right now I've got Dwayne Haskins Jr., a guy that I'm not sure about. I've got Kyle Allen, a guy that started 5-0 and and ended up being abysmal. I mean, he's an average guy. So you got two average guys right now. You don't know what they're going to do, how they're going to develop at the quarterback spot. Surround them with an offensive line with a tackle you don't know if you can trust. You see the theme here? You see why I'm a little concerned? Because there are more questions than answers, and that's why we need to address some more things here. Uh, you've got a uh, 55-year-old running back. I'm just being facetious there, but the guy's an AARP member. And, yes, he still grinds out yards. Yes, he still gets the most out of his ability. But Adrian Peterson, you're depending too much on him. you got Geis back there who you don't know about, oft injured. you got uh, Bryce Love coming off a knee injury. you got McKisson, who you hope is a guy that can come in with some speed. So more questions than answers. And I'm sorry to look at things so uh, from a tough standpoint, but I'm just being honest with you folks. I'm telling you how I see it. If I'm coaching this team, I'm looking at my quarterback spot, question marks. My offensive line, question marks. I just lost my left tackle. He's now on his way to San Francisco. Let's talk about that for a minute. Trent Williams gets traded. Now, had Bruce Allen done us a solid and done what was right and traded this guy and got the value we should have got for him, we could have had another first-round pick. But no, Bruce was too busy just uh, showing who was the tougher guy and trying to really put his stamp on it and say, I'm the guy leading this and I'm not going to do anything with you. So we end up losing out on Trent Williams, who goes to the Niners now for a fifth this year and the third next year. So the third next year, I like that, but we didn't get near enough value for a guy that was an all-pro player. Now, he hasn't played with us for a year and a half, so I say good riddance in the fact that I didn't like the way things went down with him. He first asked for uh, Bruce Allen to be gone. We did that. He asked for the guy that was in charge of the medical to be gone. We got rid of him. Next thing you know, that's not what it is. It's money. Oh, wow. Okay, so now I'm not going to play for you. I might even sue you. So then he's out of here. So we get rid of him for a uh, fifth this year, third next year to the San Francisco 49ers. So he goes out there. So getting back to the skins, we got two quarterbacks unproven. We got an offensive line with a left tackle that possibly you can't trust. You got a center you hope develops is 21 years old. 
this is my takeaway. You got a receiver 6-4 from Liberty that you hope develops that you're not sure about stepping up in competition from Liberty to the NFL. You hope that he does, and we pray that he does, but we don't know for sure. So then that leaves McLaurin as the one guy. So we need somebody else. Then you bring Thaddeus Moss in. Thaddeus Moss coming off of foot surgery. How will he recover? How will he be? See what I'm saying in terms of this? Defensively, we added the pieces. Chase Young is the one thing we can hang our hat on. We know we've got a guy that can be a generational player. That we love. The rest we're not sure about. And therein lies a rub. So that's why I gave them a C-. minus. Just too many question marks for me. And folks, I'm telling you, I went into this like Christmas morning. Like many of you, when I watched this, I sat there and said, I want my team to do well. I want them to knock it out of the park. It just didn't happen. And I left very, very uh, average, average at best. And I just kept looking for the positives. And I'm like, okay, this guy, let me watch film on him. Okay. Okay. Just a guy. And I'm looking for somebody to really stand out. Yes, you can see the kid from Liberty has a size, dimension, 6'4", great size. How does that translate to the next level? We're going to have to wait and see. Could be an all-pro kid. I hope he is. But I'm not sure how you go from Liberty to the NFL and start striking fear in people right away. I just don't know. I do know the two quarterbacks we have don't strike fear in anybody. If you're a defensive coordinator coming here right now, you're saying to yourself, what do I have to do? you got to stop McLaurin. You stop McLaurin and, and, and stack the line against AP, you're pretty much there. You don't have any real guy that can take the top off. Anybody that can really strike fear in your heart. And that's what concerns me the most about this draft. So that was why the C minus. So the Ravens were the big winner to me. You know, Patrick Queen, among others, they, they did. As much as this pains me to say, the Dallas Cowboys did well. Uh, C.D. Lamb, a, a big pickup for them. And they helped themselves. They got a center. Uh, they did some big things for themselves. The Browns also helped themselves. And the Cardinals of Arizona, I felt, really helped themselves as well. They got Isaiah Simmons. That kid is going to be dynamite for them. And while I'm talking about the NFL draft, I'm sitting here thinking, how would my draft look like if I was an NFL coach and had the opportunity? And of all the setups that I saw, the one that I admired the most, without question, hands down, was Cliff Kingsbury of Arizona. Did you see his pad? Yes. Did you see his pad? As a matter of fact, it was a giggity moment for Cliff, uh, Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, it really was. Uh, giggity. He was, he was that good. He's out there in his beautiful home, spacious, big screen TV, fire pit out back. This guy's living the life in Arizona, and he did a great job on the draft. So, And then did you see Bill Belichick? I mean, what's going on? Who's picking this guy's furniture out? I mean, I'm not uh, Mr. Blackwell, and I don't have all the fashion sense of uh, the great fashionistas out there, but this guy had a table that looked like it came from a yard sale, and he had his dog at the computer for a while, and I thought, wow, that's pretty much classic Belichick because, you know, no flash, no dash, but I guess I uh, got what I pretty much expected I would get with Bill Belichick. So. Very interesting there in terms of some of the different sights and sounds. I thought the NFL knocked it out of the park. And I know many of you are like, well, you know, it's not the same. It wasn't the same. But for them to do the work that they did, to put in the video work that they did for all of those draft picks, over 55 million people tuning in, it was an absolute home run. And yes, there are flaws. Yes, there are aspects. You can be nitpicky. But when you look at it all in all, I walked away 
saying, wow, job well done for something so uncomfortable that was miserable in so many ways. You made the best of it. It made it as enjoyable as you could. Uh, you know, the commissioner getting booed was great. Uh, a lot of aspects, but they did a great job in presenting it on ESPN. So hats off to those guys. Really, really uh, did a great job, and I enjoyed it. Didn't enjoy my picks that much from my team, but I did enjoy the coverage, so hats off to them. want to let you know one programming note. I uh, spoke this morning with Bud Foster, the outstanding former defensive coordinator for the Virginia Tech Hokies. He will be my special guest tomorrow, and he told me that, uh, briefly this morning that he recruited Chase Young. He said, I loved his size, his length, his explosiveness. Uh, basically, he was an absolutely wonderful kid. Great work ethic, he said. So they're getting a winner in D.C., so that was great to hear from him. And he also talked about uh, um, one of his players in terms of um, the King kid that the Panthers uh, basically took, and that was the tight end. And uh, Dalton Keene, who was one of the local kids drafted and uh, – he went on to say that he had a tremendous work ethic and he's a guy that is going to be just what the Patriots need. So Dalton Keene, the tight end, they call him Rambo. So uh, a big signing for the Patriots and for Virginia tech. We're going to find out more about some of these guys uh, tomorrow in depth with uh, of course, uh, Bud Foster defensive coordinator, formerly of Virginia tech. And it's great to hear from him. And like I say, in looking at the draft in totality, uh, you go in with so much optimism, so much excitement, hoping for the best, and when it doesn't happen, you just feel let down, especially now when you can't really do the things you want to do in terms of go where you want to go and um, go out to maybe your local pub, your local bar, restaurant, and really watch and enjoy it with fans and talk to people about it. But you can't do that, and you're hunkered down, you wait so long, and then the picks start coming, you're like, what? What are you doing? And I found myself talking to the screen saying, wait a minute, he's a better selection here. Why don't you go here? This is a better need here. And that's kind of what we do as fans. Uh, we basically look at it from all angles. And I really broke this down, and I just left unfulfilled with the Redskins in terms of their picks other than Chase Young. Um, I felt that uh, there was other value there that should have been taken that was not taken. So that was interesting to me. And uh, what's your take? You guys can jump in and talk to me today on the Sports King Hotline, the number 804-327-0888. 804-327-0888 is the number. How did your team do? I know many of you uh, are so excited. I know Ravens fans are just exalting. I mean, you take a 14-2 team and you add the talent that they did over the weekend. I mean, it's unbelievable. So I know Joe Neary is a huge uh, Ravens fan. He's watching on Facebook Live as well as listening on the Sports King Show on Sports 106.1, and he is just dancing in his shoes over the Ravens and what uh, John Harbaugh and company did, and he rightfully should. We're going to take a time out. You're listening to Sports King on Sports 106.1. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back after these messages. Hey, this is Trent Murphy, number 93 from the Buffalo Bills. You're listening to Jamie King of Sports King on Sports 106.1. Hi, I'm Tim Cosgrove, GM at CMA's Colonial Honda. It's no secret that we are in uncharted waters, but that doesn't mean we should be afraid because we are doing everything we can to keep our dealership clean and offering delivery services to minimize exposure. We've also opened a helpline for assistance of any kind, including grocery or medication pickup. Please call our CMA helpline at 434-220-8885. Visit cmascolonialhonda.com to learn more. CMA's Colonial Honda, moving lives forward. The Sports King Studio line is now open. If you got a sports question, thoughts on your mind about your favorite team, we'd love to hear from you at 804-327-0888. 
That's 804-327-0888. We're on a mission from God. And welcome back to the Sports Gig on a Monday morning. Ben Maitland, he did it again. We are on a mission from God, folks. Love it. Love the music. Great job, Ben. And, of course, Ben's with Big Al on Sports Phone 8 to 10 Live every morning. We follow him 10 to 12. And then it's the jungle. Los Angeles, California, the site. Jim Rome immediately following the Sports King on Sports 1061. And we're going to go back to the NFL draft. We're going to break down each team and go through some of the top players that stood out to me and give a grade on each team. If you want to look at uh, the Arizona Cardinals outside of Cliff Kingsbury's pad, which I thought was epic, uh, you look at what they did with their first pick, number eight overall, Isaiah Simmons from Clemson. Uh, they also got Josh Jones, a tackle from Houston. They addressed that. Uh, Leaky Fotu, defensive tackle, Utah, another great pickup. Rashard Lawrence, defensive tackle, LSU. So got some real value there. Uh, Evan Weaver, linebacker, California. Eno Benjamin, the running back from Arizona State. So all in all, they get a B plus. But they're a team that really, really helped themselves with Simmons. I think he's going to be a great player for them. The Atlanta Falcons, of course, their first couple picks. A.J. Terrell, the cornerback uh, out of Clemson at 16. A uh, guy that could really help them a lot on the defensive side. Marlon Davidson, defensive end, Auburn. Uh, Matt Hennessy, center from Temple. So they really had some guys step in there and help them in terms of uh, early on, in terms of their picks. They also get a B-plus from me. But next up, the Baltimore Ravens, folks. All right, listen to this. The 14-2 and two team, and, and hats off to Harbaugh and the entire scouting staff. They get Patrick Queen at 28, who was a steal at 28. Should have gone much earlier. They get J.K. Dobbins, the outstanding running back from Ohio State, who uh, almost was the all-time leading rusher. The only guy in front of him is Archie Griffin, a guy that won two Heisman trophies. Uh, another guy that I thought was a home run was Justin Matabuke, the defensive tackle from Texas A&M, probably their best player at Texas A&M. Incredible. 92, they come back with Devin Duvernay, wide receiver from Texas, a guy that can just fly. And I'm sitting here thinking, man, oh, man. Now, see, the difference with the Skins and the Ravens, these guys are just home run guys. And I'm like, these look like really sure things, if there is any such thing as a sure thing in NFL. And I know there's not. They look much surer than what the Redskins did. Then 98, they come back, Malik Harrison, Malik Harrison, the linebacker, Ohio State. And I'm like, my God, these guys just keep hitting it out of the park. Then they go with Tyree Phillips, the guard from Mississippi State, helped their offensive line. Of course, you lose Marshall Leanda. Of course, he played so great for the Ravens for so long. Then you come back, they get another guard, Ben Bredesen from Michigan. Then they go with Broderick from Washington Jr., defensive tackle, Texas Tech, another active guy. Then they get James Prochet, a receiver of Southern Methodist. It's an active guy that knows how to catch a football and stretch a field. And then they end up with Geno Stone of safety from Iowa. I'm looking at their draft, and I'm like, these guys absolutely killed it. Killed it. A-plus for them. Uh, they have talent throughout that draft, and now you look at their team, 14-2, and two, and you just knocked it out of the park. So the Ravens absolutely deserve uh, you know, the applause and the accolades for what they did. They just killed it from a standpoint of drafting. The Buffalo Bills. The Bills had plenty of needs. They went in. I thought they got a B grade. They got A.J. Epinenza, the defensive end for Iowa. A guy that can play. is a solid guy. He's a Buffalo Bills type of player. I think he'll do well. 
Then he followed it up with Zach Moss, the running back from Utah, another guy that was really productive. I think he'll do well. Gabriel Davis, wide receiver UCF. And Jake Fromm finally gets off the board at pick 167 in the fifth round. So when you look at Jake Fromm, he could be the heir apparent uh, there in Buffalo, but he's a guy that has uh, some issues in terms of arm strength. He was downgraded. The reason he waited to 167 was Many of the folks I talked to that were at the combine said he didn't throw the ball with a lot of velocity. He just didn't have a lot of uh, oomph behind the passes. But when you look at what he did at, in college, he was a very productive guy. So he really got downgraded, Jake Fromm, to go in the fifth round, 167. But he will be there in Buffalo and could be a very good pro, at least on the backup side. So the Bills get a B for me. Next up, the Carolina Panthers. And the Carolina Panthers... Another team that is just making great strides. I'm loving what Matt Rule is doing down there. He starts off with Derek Brown, the massive defensive tackle from Auburn, goes number seven. Uh, Yotur Gross Matos, the local kid, Fredericksburg, Virginia, hats off to him uh, from Penn State. He goes at pick 38, and it was a great signing for uh, the Panthers there. Jeremy Twin, safety from uh, Southern Illinois, goes 64. Troy Prine, Jr., cornerback, Notre Dame. Kenny Robinson, the junior, the uh, safety from West Virginia. Bravion Roy, defensive tackle, Baylor. And Stanley Thomas Oliver, cornerback, uh, Florida International. When you look at the complete body of what they did there, I gave the Panthers a B, and I thought that they deserved that B. Now, the Chicago Bears. The Bears, pick number 43 in the second round. Cole Komet, tight end, Notre Dame, an active guy. Guy can catch football, good catch radius. I thought he was a good pickup. Uh, Jalen Johnson, cornerback next. Travis Gibson, defensive end, Tulsa. Bunch of guys, you shake them up in a bag. I wasn't super impressed with what the uh, Bears did overall. There's some talent there, some ability, um, but I gave them a B-. minus. So I was going to give them a C in terms of their talent. I just didn't like what everything they did in terms of the Bears, but I didn't like the Skins did either. Cincinnati Bengals, what did they do? Well, they went out and they got their man, Joe Burrow, at uh, number one. Overall, and you know how I feel about Joe Burrow. I think he's going to be a future All-Pro quarterback. He's going to be that good. Then he followed that up at 33 in the second round with T. Higgins from Clemson, the wide receiver. You have to have somebody you can throw the football to, and this guy is a home run threat, a great pickup for the Bengals at 33. Logan Wilson, linebacker, goes at 65. Akeem Davis-Gaither, the linebacker from Appalachian State. Small school, but a guy that could play big, and he really had a great year. Khalid Kareem, defensive end Notre Dame, another value pick. At 180, they went with Hakeem Adenji, the guard from Kansas, and ended up with Marcus Bailey, the linebacker from Purdue. So when you look at all things considered, they get an A-minus for their draft. I thought the Panthers really helped themselves. Somebody else that helped themselves with the Cleveland Browns as we go with our draft recap uh, from this past weekend. Cleveland Browns start off with uh, number 10 pick Jedrick Wills Jr. from Alabama, the tackle. I thought that was a very good value pick. They needed it to protect uh, Baker Mayfield, and they got their guy. Then they come back at 44 with Grant Delpit, a safety I thought was another great pickup. Then they go to Jordan Elliott at 88, defensive tackle Missouri, value there. Jacob Phillips, the linebacker, LSU, another hidden gem there at 97. Then you get uh, Harrison Bryant, tight end at 115 from Florida Atlantic. 160, you get center Nick Harris from Washington. And 187, a really good pickup for them, was Donovan Peoples-Jones. Donovan Peoples-Jones, wide receiver. So all in all, the Browns just kept doing some great things. Del Pitt's going to be a real fine for them. I gave them a B-plus as well. I feel like they have a lot of guys there that can help them quickly there. 
in Cleveland. So a very good pickup uh, overall in terms of their draft, uh, in terms of the totality of what they did. Next up, the Dallas Cowboys, who I sadly have to give credit to, but, man, they did a great job. C.D. Lamb, number 17, wide receiver, can take the top off. He's going to cause a lot of problems in terms of you got Cooper on one side, Lamb on the other, and then uh, a guy that can really uh, do things after he catches the ball, those little slip screens and bubble screens, and you got to watch C.D. Lamb. Also uh, is a guy to take the top off, so he's got a lot that he brings to the table. That's at 17. At 51, Trayvon Diggs, the cornerback from Atlanta, uh, from Alabama, another guy that was of great value pick. 82, Neville Gallimore, defensive tackle. He's going to be a load to contend with. 123, Reggie Robinson from Tulsa, cornerback, very active. Uh, this is where they moved up, and they made a trade. They get Tyler Biadiz uh, from uh, Wisconsin, the center. They need a center with the loss of Frederick. I think this guy's going to come in and really compete right away. Uh, for a starting job. At uh, 179, they got Bradley Anay, the defensive end from Utah, another value pick, and they ended up with Ben Danucci, local kid from James Madison. So when you look at what they did, the Cowboys overall get an A- minus for me. I thought it was that good. Uh, Tyler Beades, uh will take over for Travis Frederick, who retired earlier this offseason. Beades was a three-year starter for the Badgers, and he was dominant in the run game. So they definitely helped themselves, the Dallas Cowboys, I hate saying that, but they help themselves tremendously. Hey, I'm calling it like I see it. You're listening to Sports King. If you want to give us a call, 804-327-0888 is the number. 804-327-0888 is the number. We thank you for tuning in on Sports 1061 Facebook Live. Uh, Denver Broncos up next. Uh, Jerry Judy at number 15 was their first selection, first round, and he's a guy that can take the top off, a super talented player out of Alabama. 46, K.J. Hamler, the wide receiver for Penn State. So they're giving Drew Locke a ton of uh, guys to throw the football to. And all in all, when I looked at the Broncos, I started looking at some of their other late picks, and I wasn't really as excited about it. So, uh, you know, many people wanted to give them higher marks. I felt it was about a B-minus draft for the Broncos overall. So uh, that's what I went with there. Next up, the Detroit Lions, uh, Matt Patricia. I'm not a fan. I've gone on record of saying I don't think he's going to be there long. He is a coordinator. He's not a head coach. And I looked at some of these picks. Jeff Akuda, number three overall. Great pickup there. Then he came back with DeAndre Swift, the running back from Georgia at 35. Another very solid pick. Uh, Julian Aquara, the linebacker from Notre Dame at 67. Jonah Jackson, guard at 75. So when I looked at the Lions overall, their totality, I mean, I said to myself, you know what? They deserve a minus or a B at the worst. They actually had a very good draft for Detroit. So if you're a Lions fan, you got to walk away saying, you know what? We really did well. Next up, the Green Bay Packers. And folks, this is where the train stops for me. And pick number 26, Jordan Love is taken. And here's the thing about it. You've got a Hall of Famer and Aaron Rodgers that nobody consulted with. Nobody even said, hey, man, by the way, we're going to take this kid as the heir apparent, the guy that we're going to come in and have him develop, develop learn from you and uh, learn from you, and you'll get better. Uh, he'll get better, and basically you'll help each other, push each other. But no, nobody said that. So then Rodgers is sitting here saying to himself, wait a minute, are you looking to replace me or help me find the pieces I need to get us to the promised land? 
Then he come back with A.J. Dillon in 62, the running back from Boston College. Productive guy, a guy I think is going to really help them out. Josiah DeGora, the uh, tight end from Cincinnati, another big pickup there. Then he went linebacker. Then he went guard, center, guard, safety. So not a lot of additional pieces for Rodgers. And I kept thinking to myself, what are you doing? I mean, you're trying to get to the Super Bowl, and you need players to help stretch the field and help A-Rod. And for whatever reason, they decided to look elsewhere. They helped their defense, but I didn't think they did enough offensively. And I thought the Packers were just awful. You know, I gave them a D. I just didn't like the overall totality of what they did. I, I felt that off the top, Love is a guy that, yes, we might be able to get him later, maybe a third-round guy, but I guess they had a higher pick uh, in terms of the draft number for him, but I just didn't like that pick there. Uh, but – I felt they needed more in terms of value overall, but they decided against that. Uh, one final team before we had a break, uh, Houston Texans. Uh, of course, uh, they lose DeAndre Hopkins. They get uh, the second-round pick. No picks in the first. They come back with Ross Blacklock, the defensive tackle TCU. Good pick up there. Uh, number 90, they go with Jonathan Grenard, linebacker Florida. 126, Charlie Heck, uh, tackle North Carolina. 141, John Reed, cornerback Penn State. Uh, once again, left me very average, I felt, average draft for the Texans at uh, C-minus for them as well. So those are some of the draft picks. We're going to come back with the Indianapolis Colts and go through the rest of the selections in the weekend uh, draft that just passed and go through uh, team by team, and I'll give you my feedback on your team. And if you'd like to give us your feedback on your team, give us a call, 804-327-0888 is the number. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. We've got a lot more Sports King on the way after these messages. Hi, this is Mike Singletary, former Chicago Bear, Hall of Famer. You're listening to my friend, Jamie King, the Sports King on Sports 1061. Looking for a top-tier university that is affordable? Coastal Carolina University offers more than 100 undergraduate and graduate programs designed to help you earn your degree. Visit coastal.edu and learn more about the coastal commitment to student learning and student-led research. Coastal Carolina University is consistently ranked as a top best value university in the South. Visit coastal.edu to learn more and schedule your campus tour. Hi, I'm Tim Cosgrove, GM at CMA's Colonial Honda. It's no secret that we are in uncharted waters, but that doesn't mean we should be afraid because we are doing everything we can to keep our dealership clean and offering delivery services to minimize exposure. We've also opened a helpline for assistance of any kind, including grocery or medication pickup. Please call our CMA helpline at 434-220-8885. Visit cmascolonialhonda.com to learn more. CMA's Colonial Honda, moving lives forward. You're listening to the guy that was once addicted to brake fluid. But please don't worry, he says he can stop at any time. It's the Sports King on Sports 1061. And welcome back, everyone. Heading to the top of the hour of Sports King Show on a Monday. I want to thank you for tuning in wherever you're at. We thank you. Dave DeArmas, Cowboys hater. Posting on Facebook Live that he hopes Jerry Jones' boat sinks. Folks, I don't know if you saw or not, but Jerry Jones, of course, he of Cowboys fame, was on his $250 million yacht watching the draft and making things happen from the draft. And it reminded me of a um, James Bond villain type situation with Jerry sitting there. And 
if you noticed, his daughter was to his side holding a phone so Jerry could speak into it. Think about this for a minute. He's She's holding the phone for Jerry to speak into. I thought, come on, man. Hold your own phone. What's going on here? Anyway, <laughs> Ben Maitland making me laugh, calling Jerry Goldfinger. And that look, that's what it looked like. He was a Bond villain to be sure, but Jerry had a good draft on his $250 million yacht and the Cowboys did well, but Jerry just uh, unbelievable. Anyway, moving back to the draft, we want to let you know the Indianapolis Colts. Um, they, of course, Frank Reich, the head coach there, and they did a very good job in the draft. They start off with uh, 34 in the second round, no first-round picks for the Colts. Michael Pittman, a uh, guy I was hoping the Skins would take a look at, uh, did not get him. Uh, he went at number 34 in the second round. They come back at 41 with Jonathan Taylor, a guy that was a very productive running back at Wisconsin, another guy that really put up some big numbers. Uh, it's Jonathan Taylor, the running back, Wisconsin. 85, they go with Julian Blackman, the safety from Utah. And 122, Jacob Eason, the quarterback from Washington, really surprising some of the comments about him throughout the draft. They talked about his attitude, maybe some uh, – uh, off-putting ways that he had in terms of the way that uh, he didn't really kind of care at times. It looked like his production was down late in games that really knocked him down in terms of the way he dealt with people and his overall attitude really cost him to where he falls to 122 in the fourth round to the Colts. Uh, they went with Danny Pinter, the guard from Ball State. So they got a lot of value. Robert Windsor, defensive tackle Penn State, they got some guys that really come and help them. Pittman's going to be a nice addition uh, that will help with T.Y. Hilton and uh, that staff in terms of the offensive production for the Colts. So it's going to be interesting. You give Frank Reich and company an A-minus for that draft. And moving on, you've got the Jacksonville Jaguars. C.J. Henderson was their first pick at number nine, the cornerback from Florida. Some people thought he might go a few picks later, but he went there. At 20, Caleb Von Chasen, the linebacker LSU, another nice pickup for Jacksonville. Uh, LaVisca Chenault Jr., wide receiver at Colorado. 73, they went with Devon Hamilton, defensive tackle, Ohio State. 116, Bart Barch, the tackle from St. John's, Minnesota. So uh, you look at the Jaguars, they had so many needs coming in, and they end up with a B-minus for me. Um, they've got Jay Gruden as their new offensive coordinator for the Jaguars. Oh, strike up the band there. You know how that's going to work out. Uh, Jay Gruden, uh, I, I, I Anyway, don't get me started there. Uh, good good, good on the Jaguars for getting Jay Gruden to hit things up, and uh, we saw how that worked out here. Kansas City Chiefs, uh, next, once again, another team, uh, Rich Get Richer. They went at number 32, the last pick of the first round, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I love this kid, number 22, played for LSU, the running back. Has a lot of wiggle, a guy that can really move in and out of holes, hard to get your hands on in behind those big offensive linemen. He's got speed bursts. He's got power, point of contact guy. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to be a nice addition for Patrick Mahomes in that high-powered Chiefs offense. 63, they come back with linebacker Willie Gay Jr. from Mississippi State. Nice pickup there. They go with a tackle, Lucas Niang from TCU. is a wide body, a nice fill-in guy that could be a tackle for the future for Kansas City. Uh, Jerry Sneed, the safety from Louisiana Tech. Michael Dana the defensive end from Michigan, and they ended up with Bopiti Keys for a cornerback from Tulane. So when you look at the overall grade, 
Uh, I gave the Chiefs outside of their first pick, I gave them a C-. I didn't think it was great, but uh, when you look at some of the top-end speed they got at the top of their first couple picks, it was enough to say they really helped themselves tremendously with those. And a couple on the back end left me a little bit uh, question mark, but overall, at the top part of the draft, they really did well. So kind of an incomplete on that overall aspect because I was looking for more, but they really hit it out of the park early and faltered a little bit late. The Raiders of Las Vegas, and uh, we'll do this last one who had the break at the top of the hour. The Raiders with Henry Ruggs III, the speedster from Alabama. And you have to love Henry Ruggs III. Did you see his getup? Uh, he wore an Old Spice robe. Looked like John Barrymore or Hugh Hefner wearing a robe, and I'm sure he got paid quite handsomely to wear an Ohio State. I wonder if Ben can work that out. Ben, write that down, by the way. I want an Ohio, not Ohio State, I want an um, Old Spice robe. Try to make that deal done, if you can, by the end of the commercial break. Okay, uh, then at 19, you got Damon Arnett, the cornerback, Ohio State, another value pick there. Lynn Bowden, the junior, the wide receiver from Kentucky at 80. Uh, Brian Edwards, wide receiver, South Carolina. So the Raiders looking for some speed and some guys that can make the plays. Uh, in that high-powered offense they hope to have this year. Tanner Muse, a very good safety from Clemson. John Simpson, guard from Clemson as well, and Clemson back-to-back. And Amik Robertson, quarterback from Louisiana Tech. So the Raiders and John Gruden, I'm going to give them a C overall, but they did help themselves on the speed side of things, but late they faltered as well. We're going to come back and talk about the Los Angeles Chargers and the rest of the NFL teams making their picks. You give us a call as well, 804 804- 3270888 is the number. 804 3270888 is the number. You tuned in late on the Sports King Show. I gave the Redskins a C minus overall. Great pick at the top and then kind of faltered and went downhill after that. So we're going to come back and wrap up the rest of the NFL draft to take a look at um, the Last Dance documentary on ESPN. All that and much, much more coming your way on this Monday morning edition of the Sports King. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back after these messages alongside Ben Maitland. I'm the Sports King, Jamie King on Sports 1061. Hi, sports fans. This is former Washington Redskins quarterback and Super Bowl 26 MVP, Mark Griffin. You are listening to my favorite sports show, The Sports King, hosted by my great friend, Jamie King, on Sports 106.1. Hi, it's The Sports King, Jamie King, and I'm here to offer you truly life-changing advice. If you or someone you know suffers from foot pain, don't delay. Take immediate action and visit the podiatry centers of Dr. Paul Ross with two offices to serve you, Bethesda, Maryland, and Springfield, Virginia. I know firsthand he changed my life and totally restored my foot. He will do the same for you. That's the podiatry center of Dr. Paul Ross. For more information, go to paulrossdpm.com. That's paulrossdpm.com. Welcome back. You're listening to a man who is cooler than the other side of the pillow. It's the Sports King on Sports 1061. And welcome back, everybody. Monday morning on the Sports King Show alongside Ben Maitland. I'm the Sports King, Jamie King. Thank you for joining us. We are recapping the NFL draft, and we're going to go back and look at what happened with your favorite team. Look at some of the top players taken. And we'll also take, as we move forward in the show, a look at the Last Dance documentary featuring Michael Jordan and Chicago Bulls. And, man, was that fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Dennis Rodman, I tell you what, 
the guy was a rebounding machine, but uh, you had to put up with a lot to get those rebounds, and we'll talk about that and much more coming your way on the Sports King Show. Uh, getting getting to the next team, we're talking about the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, they went at number six in the first round. Justin Herbert, the quarterback from Oregon, right after Tua, they went uh, number six, and I think he's going to be a solid player for them. They went at 23 to Kenneth Murray, the linebacker, Oklahoma, another solid pick. 112, Joshua Kelly, running back, UCLA. Joe Reed, the wide receiver from Virginia, another solid player, uh, Virginia kid there. And Aloha Gilman, a safety Notre Dame, went at 186. K.J. Hill, another wide receiver at 220. So the Chargers did some things to really help themselves. I gave them a B-minus overall. So I think that overall, a team that really had a lot of holes to fill, and they did a very good job. The Los Angeles Rams, Sean McVay, of course, former uh, Redskin coach. We were rooting for Sean because he's a good guy. Uh, he took uh, had to wait till the second round and had no first-round picks. He went with Cam Akers running back from Florida State. A lot of wiggle with that guy. Very quick at 52. I thought he was a good value pick. 57, they went with Van Jefferson, wide receiver from Florida. So two Florida uh, area kids right off the bat there. At 84, Terrell Lewis, a linebacker, Alabama. 104, they went with Terrell Burgess, safety from Utah. Bryson Hopkins at pick 136. So as you see, uh, the Rams overall – uh, did a lot of good things, and they received an A overall for their draft from me. And I thought that it could have been a B because the last few were a little questioned, but I thought that uh, they hit all the needs that they had. But when you look at the, what the Rams are trying to do is give more playmakers, and they want to have somebody in there that can really give Jared Goff more opportunity to spread the field, and I think they did what they needed to do. And Sean McVay, who also had a very nice pad. I, I tell you, I loved Cliff Kingsbury's pad the most, but Sean McVay would be number two. Those guys really had the nice fire pits going. You could tell that they really um, living the life of the single coach in the NFL. Miami Dolphins next at number five. They go with Tua Tagovailoa, the quarterback, Alabama. More questions for me than answers. He's a guy that durability is the big question there. Twenty-two and two as a starter at Alabama. That's the good. The bad is the injuries. Injury-prone guy. Will he make it through an NFL season? Not for me. I'm not going to put that kind of money and go at number five with him, but the Dolphins love him. They made the pick, and they think he is going to be the answer and the heir apparent to Ryan Fitzpatrick, but I expect Tua to kind of wait his turn and learn behind the bearded one there in Miami. At 18, they went with Austin Jackson to tackle USC, another great pick there. Um, and they had some real value throughout uh, their entire draft. So when you look at the Dolphins, a ton of picks – and uh, overall ended up with a C for me. I thought they hit it on the first part of the draft, missed on the back end. But the Dolphins, the big question is going to be two is durability. Will it be a situation where it's going to transform their team or will it be something where he gets banged up and can't play and isn't as durable as they had hoped? That's a big question mark there. Moving on to the Minnesota Vikings, they had more picks than uh, – you can imagine, I mean, a ton of picks. Justin Jefferson at 22, wide receiver, they nailed that. 31, Jeff Gladney, cornerback, excellent pick there. Ezra Cleveland, tackle Boise State. So right off the bat, they're really crushing it. Cameron Dantzler, cornerback, uh, their fourth pick. DJ Wanham, linebacker, South Carolina. James Lynch, defensive end, Baylor. At 132, they went Troy Dye, linebacker, Oregon. So they really helped their defense. They really helped their offense. They did some great things. They got Nate Stanley, the quarterback from Iowa, a guy that I think has got a lot of upside at 244. Great pickup there. Uh, Josh Metellus, the safety from Michigan, great pickup there. So when you look all in all, 
the Vikings deserve an A minus. I thought that they really did some good things in all the picks they had. They have some guys that can come in there and really help them. So the Vikings did well. Next up, the New England Patriots of Ken Paradiso. When I look at the New England Patriots, um, I looked at uh, the type of guys that they have there. You have Kyle Duggar, 37, from Lenora Ryan. And you look at Lenora Ryan being a small school. But once again, I mean, how can you argue with the hoodie when you look at a small school guy that plays big and Duggar, and they felt that he fit their mold. And uh, Belichick's looking for the guy that fits what they do. So you can't argue with his success, and he has an eye for talent. So Kyle Duggar, I felt it was not a good pick in terms of 37. I thought he could have got Duggar further back, but what, for whatever reason, they went early with him. I didn't think that was the pick right there. But once again, you know, he's got six Super Bowls, so he picked him at 37. At 60, Josh Uchi, the linebacker, Michigan, another good pickup here. Uh, 87, they went with Anthony Jennings, linebacker, Alabama, another active guy. So you're getting some really good linebacker play coming into New England, so you should be happy about that, Ken. Uh, tight end, Devin Asiasi, another guy I liked a lot. At 101, uh, we talked with Bud Foster about Dalton Keene, the tight end from right here at Virginia Tech at Blacksburg, a guy they're getting to call him Rambo. Uh, he's got the mustache and um, – you know, he does a lot of exciting things for Virginia Tech. He's going to be a guy that can come in, a hardworking guy, really help the Patriots from a blocking standpoint. He can also catch the football. So Dalton Keene, a nice pickup at 101. Uh, Justin Rohrwasher, the uh, kicker from Marshall, very powerful leg. He's going to be a big addition with the loss of Goskowski. I think that was a pickup they needed there. They went then at 182 to Mike on when you the guard from Michigan, another pickup nice there. Justin Heron, another guard. So uh, method to their madness in New England. And when you look at what they did overall, I gave them a C plus. Uh, they didn't wow me, but they didn't, you know, they didn't fail miserably either. They hit some. I just don't know uh, when you're looking at your draft board. The only question I mark I have is Kyle Duggar at 37. I didn't think the value was there. I thought that uh, he's a great player and he's got a lot of upside, but I just thought there were other guys that could help the Patriots at 37 and that Duggar could have been a guy maybe at 90, 91. You could have got him in that range. But uh, Bill Belichick, the hoodie, knew what he's doing uh, in most past drafts, so I guess uh, give him credit here and hope for the best with Kyle Duggar, but I just don't like the pick right out of the gate. Next up, New Orleans Saints. They didn't have a lot of picks, but they uh, did some good things. Cesar Ruiz at 24, the center for Michigan. 74, Zach Bound, the linebacker, Wisconsin, an active guy. really like uh, Zach Bound. At 105, Adam Troutman, tight end Dayton. And then 240, Tommy Stevens, a quarterback from Mississippi State. Don't know if he'll be a practice squad guy or not, but uh, overall, only four picks there. They didn't do a ton. I gave them a C overall. But uh, once again, not a ton of picks for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, the G-Men, uh, the Giants, they go with Andrew Thomas at number four, the tackle from Georgia. At 36, Xavier McKinney, the safety from Alabama. 99, Matt Pert, the tackle from Connecticut. 110, they went Darnay Holmes, a cornerback from UCLA. Um, once again, the G-Men, I thought, you know, did well. Nothing great. I gave, I gave him a C overall. I just thought that... Um, the Giants needed, uh, you know, some help on the defense side of the ball and some help offensively as well. I thought that they're looking uh, in terms of uh, strong defense all the way back on the back end of that draft. Didn't really even look on the offensive side of the ball other than a guard. They really did nothing offensively. So uh, you have to wonder if they're going to help put more pieces through free agency. Uh, but right now, I mean, 
just didn't uh, do much to me offensively. So I uh, didn't give him a great overall draft pick. So the G-Men uh, did okay. Uh, the Jets, the J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 I thought did very well. Makai Becton, the tackle from Louisville, number 11. Guy's a road grader, man. He can really open holes. Huge guy, and he's going to do well for the Jets. Denzel Mims, wide receiver, another guy I felt is a good pickup. Ashton Davis uh, went next, the safety from California. Jabari Zanuga, the defensive end Florida, another active guy. I was very happy with that. LaMichael Pirine, the running back from Florida, has a lot of wiggle and is able to uh, really get in there behind those big guys, has a burst. I like LaMichael Pirine from Florida. James Morgan, the quarterback from Florida International, uh, you know, could be a practice squad guy. Uh, a lot of people like him, but uh, evidently the Jets think that he's got a shot, so they took him. Uh, Cameron Clark, the guard from Charlotte. Bryce Hall, local kid. Cornerback Virginia, I think he'll do well there in the Jets' defense. And Braden Mann, the punter from Texas A&M. Uh, so overall, the Jets, um, they got an A- minus uh, from some people. I gave them a B, a B-plus overall because uh, they hit some and missed a couple towards the end. But overall, the Jets didn't hurt themselves that bad. Next up, the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, Jalen Rieger at number 21. Um, good player, but I didn't think the value was there at 21. Uh, the one they lost me on was Jalen Hurts at 53. Are you kidding me? Uh, I don't see it in this guy. I mean, he could be a good backup, but I just don't see him being a second-round pick. I thought you could got him much later. But uh, evidently they like the upside, but he's going to come in there. Carson Wentz, maybe they'll put him in some other packages, but I don't know why you go 53 for a Jalen Hurts. I just did not see the value there. Uh, 103, you got Davion Taylor, linebacker, Colorado. Active guy, strong guy, point of contact guy. Liked him on tape. Kayvon Wallace, safety Clemson. Another guy I liked on tape and another guy that hits hard, covers well. 127, I thought he was a pick that was very high value. So when you look overall at the Eagles, they did some good things, and then they kind of fell off at the end. I gave them a C overall. Next up, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, right off the top at 49, Chase Claypool, kid from wide, wide receiver from Notre Dame. A guy I liked, I thought it could be a skins uh, pick. Uh, you looked at him and some of his ability on film. He really has good catch radius, is able to move the chains. Is a guy that's always active and is a good blocker. Uh, but the Steelers get him at 49. They get Alex Highsmith, the linebacker from Charlotte. This guy is going to be circle Alex Highsmith for all you fantasy guys. I think this guy really has a future. And uh, with T.J. Watt there, I think these guys together are going to be creating a lot of havoc because Highsmith has a really big motor, and I think that the Steelers got a real find in him at 102. At 124, and uh, Anthony McFarland, the running back from Maryland, a good solid guy. I don't think he's going to make anybody forget about Barry Sanders, but he's a guy that can come in and play and help out in that Steelers offense. Kevin Dodson was the next pick at 135, the guard from Louisiana, a solid player. Antoine Brooks Jr. Uh, from Maryland, the safety, another solid player, and they ended up with Carlos Davis, the defensive tackle from Nebraska. Ended up with a C grade for me. I just felt they helped themselves, but I felt all in all uh, they got some value at the top end and kind of trailed off at the uh, second half of their draft. Next up, San Francisco 49ers, Javon Kinlaw, defensive tackle, South Carolina, nice pickup for them. Of course, they get Trent Williams from the Redskins, and they gave up a fifth round this year, a third round next year, and they got the left tackle they really want. 
to protect Jimmy G. So, uh, Trent, good riddance to you, and uh, hopefully you'll do well with San Francisco. Uh, yuck, yuck. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, the guy I wanted for the Redskins, goes to the Niners at 25. So they get Kinlaw off the top at defensive tackle. They help themselves there. Then you come back with a really nice receiver who's going to pay dividends. Brandon Ayuk, a guy I really wanted in D.C. Next up, Colton McKivitz, the uh, tackle from West Virginia. Big guy, strong guy, point of contact guy. Help him there. Another tackle. Charlie Warner, tight end Georgia, and uh, Jawan Jennings, uh, wide receiver from Tennessee. So when you look at them, uh, I gave them an A-minus uh, overall. I thought the Niners really helped themselves. Of course, you know, not a big Kyle Shanahan fan, but I'll tell you what, he really helped himself. And John Lynch, give that scouting uh, team a lot of credit because they really, with the loss of DeForest Buckner to the Colts, they really needed somebody to step in. They got Javon Kinlaw. So it was a guy that's not a perfect uh, prospect, but he is a guy that can really step in and make things happen on the defensive line for the Niners. So you have to be really, really excited for them. Uh, Bryce Hall, uh, Tom Woods has said that uh, UVA fan has said that he feels he's going to be really good. I concur. I think he really will help the Niners in a lot of ways. Next up, Seattle Seahawks. Uh, they went at 27 with Jordan Brooks, linebacker from Texas Tech. He's their guy, their type of guy, and he's going to fit in well in that defense with Ken Norton. At 48, they went with Daryl Taylor, defensive end Tennessee, another speed guy, strong guy, point of contact guy. Uh, looks good on film. Damian Lewis, the guard from LSU, another really Strong guy, point of contact, because Lewis did some great things with Joe Burrow in that offense, opening some huge holes. Another big pickup for the Seahawks. At 133, Colby Parkinson, tight end Stanford. Good catch radius guy. I think he's going to help them out quite a bit and uh, be a big upgrade and a big target for Russell Wilson there in Seattle. At 144, DJ Dallas, running back Miami. Another guy that could be a value pick towards the back end of the draft. Alton Robinson, defensive in Syracuse, is a guy that definitely has some talent, has some upside. Uh, Freddie Swain, next to 214, the wide receiver Florida. And then they ended up with Stephen Sullivan, another tight end from LSU. So they really tried to address some of the offensive needs the Seahawks had. And I gave them a B as well in terms of what they did overall. But Josh Schneider, give him credit, GM. Uh, Pete Carroll, they were looking to upgrade in, in key positions. They did that. And so I felt the Seahawks deserved to be great. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they went with uh, Tristan Wirfs, the tackle from Iowa, 13. He's going to be a really special player, young guy, but he's got a lot of upside at 13. Antoine Winfield uh, Jr., the safety from Minnesota. This guy is another sleeper. I think he's going to be a really impactful player for that defense for Bruce Arians. Keshawn Vaughn, the running back from Vanderbilt, went at 76. Tyler Johnson, wide receiver Minnesota, gives Tom Brady another target in that uh, ever-explosive offense it looks to be in Tampa Bay. Uh, Khalil Davis, defensive tackle Nebraska, a space eater, a guy that will really help on the defensive side. At 241, they Chappelle Russell, the linebacker for Temple. He's another tackling machine. You will like him in Tampa. And then they ended up at 245 with Raymond Calais, the running back from Louisiana. So all in all, uh, another A, I gave him A-, uh, could have been a B, but I thought they really hit some late-end deals there. Antoine Winfield Jr. was a very good pick, and I thought all in all uh, they helped themselves uh, with their tackle situation because Tom Brady needs protection, and they definitely got the guy. They were looking at uh, Trent Williams, but the price tag was too high, so they got uh, worse right off the top. Tennessee Titans, they got uh, Isaiah Wilson, the tackle from Georgia at 29. At 61, Christian Fulton, the quarterback, LSU, another big pickup there. 
And so you look at the Titans, they addressed, uh, they got Cole McDonald late, uh, the quarterback from Hawaii, very productive guy, very confident guy at 224 and the seventh round. And Chris Jackson also the safety for Marshall in the seventh round. I gave them a B minus. I thought that they hit pretty well. And uh, they had a few concerns of a couple players, but they basically got the needs that they wanted to fill. And so the Titans look to be steamrolling towards some uh, some big things uh, as they continue to move closer, trying to get a Super Bowl berth here uh, with Tannehill and uh, Derrick Henry and that group. They really did well last year. They're hoping to do better. And some of these draft picks, I think, are really going to pay off for them. Redskins, we went through, of course. We started with Chase Young at the top of the program, a generational player. We hope he will be. Uh, I gave their skins a C minus overall. Antonio Gibson, just not sure about question mark. Sadiq Charles, love his size, question mark on his uh, character. Antonio uh, Gandy Golden, uh, huge side, huge upside in terms of his physical presence. When you stand and look at the guy, he is a specimen, but you wonder how it's going to transfer to the next level. You hope it will. And how long will it take him to go against these DBs of the NFL, get separation, do what we need. So AGG, we hope will, pay big dividends. We're not so sure, uh, of course, that you've got to go from Liberty to the NFL. It is a quantum leap, folks, and it's going to take him some time. So you can't expect too much. So that, once again, you got McLaurin over there, and he needs some help. So hopefully AGG will take some pressure off there and hopefully develop quickly in the Redskins offense. You keep Ismael, the center from San Diego State, could plug the guy in there. He could play for years. We hope that he will. Uh, center that had a three-year career at San Diego State. I really like him. I think he's a good pick. Kaliki Hudson, a linebacker from Michigan at uh, 162. is going to learn from Thomas Davis Sr. I think he has a great mentor there. Could be a great one for Michigan uh, for the Redskins. And then uh, Cameron Curl, 6'2", 198-pounder from Arkansas. That safety, I really like him a lot. Uh, just wondering how he's going to play here with his Redskin team and will it be special teams to start and then slowly work in that safety rotation. And then last but not least, James Smith-Williams, defensive end, NC State, the one that was a head-scratcher for me. The guy has missed five games last year. He's missed parts of three seasons consecutively in terms of injury-prone. So you wonder uh, if magically they think he's just going to recover and be injury-free type of guy going forward. I hope that's the case, but his past does not indicate that to me. So that would circle his name for me when I went to pick him. I'd say, I don't know. I love his size but I'm not sure about his durability. For me, from a coaching standpoint, I want a guy that I know I can count on to be there game in, game out. I mean, you look at guys we had on the show last week, Dave Butts, 14-year career, he missed four games. Now, I know that's the exception to the rule, but it's nice to think that you have a guy that you can depend on week in and week out to give you the production you want. James Smith-Williams is a guy that you're just not sure about because of the ability to stay healthy. And that is a look at the entirety of the NFL draft. If you'd like to chime in, give us a call about your favorite team, 804-327-0888. 804-327-0888 is the number. How did your team do? My team, as I said at the start, uh, C-minus overall. The Washington Redskins helped themselves to Chase Young, a generational player. But beyond that, a lot of question marks. And I wish I had more answers because I really don't. I left very unfulfilled. I left very much uh, scratching my head and very much wondering with question marks on the players that I talked about just kind of concerned me. I, I had more questions than answers, and I hate that when I walk away from something, leaving myself unfulfilled, saying, man, I waited so long for this, but I'm so unsure of this. I'm not uh, like the Ravens. Now, I'm not saying the Ravens uh, – 
in terms of their picks, even though I thought they did A-plus in terms of all their picks, they may not pan out. So you know the draft is an inexact science. We all know that. But the draft preparation the Ravens did, and you see John Harbaugh high-fiving, when you've got a 14-2 and team and the rich get richer, and you look at that draft when you go player by player by player that the Ravens did – Versus the Redskins, where I left more question marks and things about guy's character and is this the right guy and will he fit in and will he make the quantum? I'm asking all these questions with the Redskins, whereas the Ravens, I'm like, check, 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 check. And I'm watching film on all these guys and I'm like, this is an amazing, amazing draft that the Ravens have put together. And at 14 to 2, the rich just got richer. So that was my take on the Ravens. I felt they were the biggest winner on draft day overall. What's your take? Give us a call. 804-327-0888 is the number. And we're going to take a timeout right now. When we come back, we're going to look at Michael Jordan, the Chicago Bulls, and the last dance from last night. And I'm telling you, folks, it was mesmerizing TV. And Dennis Rodman was the feature on the uh, documentary. And what a story about the Las Vegas aspect. So many NBA players are talking about it today. And would they be allowed to go to Vegas in the middle of the season? And we'll get your take as well. You're listening to the Sports King on Sports 1061. We'll be right back after these messages. Don't touch that dot. Hi, this is Kurt Gouveia, number 54, Washington Redskins. You're listening to my friend, Jamie King, the Sports King, on Sports 106. Hi, I'm Tim Cosgrove, General Manager at CMA's Colonial Honda. It's no secret that we are in uncharted waters, but that doesn't mean we should be afraid. Because now is an opportunity to do something heroic. We realize that this is the time to organize a blood drive, help our elderly neighbors with groceries, and assist local nonprofits. And that's exactly what CMA's Colonial Honda is doing. In fact, we set up a helpline to assist people in our community in any way that we can. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance, you can reach our CMA helpline at 434-220-8885. Again, our CMA helpline is 434-220-8885. And of course, if you're in need of any automotive help, we are taking extra precautions to keep our dealership clean. To learn more, visit cmascolonialhonda.com. We applaud you for helping one another during this time. You have inspired us to do the same. CMA's Colonial Honda, moving lives forward. Sports King Nation, want to take part in the show? Here's your chance to call the studio line. 804-327-0888. That's 804-327-0888. And welcome back, everyone. Monday morning. Just love the music. Thank you, Ben Maitland. Gets me fired up. The NFL draft did not get me as fired up as I wanted, but it fired up 55 million people who watched it and loved it. And I think it just shows how bad we want something to watch, something to watch, anything to watch. And every aspect of the draft I loved. Of course, uh, the, the commissioner was booed. They tried to show different features. They did everything they could, folks. Having been in television, I can tell you it is extremely hard to do what they did. They did an absolute phenomenal job with all the backstories and all the camera angles and to do what they did. Despite the circumstances of the coronavirus, I thought was phenomenal. Gave us something to hang our hat on. Something else we hang our hat on is the documentary series on ESPN. uh, Episodes three and four last night 
on ESPN, The Last Dance. And Ben has some cuts we'll play in a moment. But my take on The Last Dance, uh, just unbelievable. When you look at Dennis Rodman and the circus that was Dennis Rodman and the pieces that he brought in terms of talent to the Bulls. I've gone on record saying this before. Dennis Rodman, probably one of the most bizarre, misunderstood guys. I've heard many people talk about his generosity and what a nice guy he is, but it gets clouded with all of the crazy antics and the dresses and the fingernail polish and the, you know, all the different uh, facial piercings and all the things he does to try to bring attention to himself. And that's something that, you know, that's personal stuff that he's done on his own. But make no mistake, when it comes to rebounding, Dennis Rodman is in a world-class level by himself. This guy was a rebound waiting to happen. He would talk about, and I've seen interviews about, this guy shot the ball with this spin. This guy shot the ball with that spin. This guy shot the And many of you might be thinking, listening and watching on Facebook as well, that yes, Rodman was just such a crazy guy. Crazy like a fox, folks. Make no mistake about Dennis Rodman. He was a tactician. He would watch film of every shooter out there. He knew the spins on the ball. He knew where they liked to shoot. He knew where balls more, nor, normally would come off in terms of rim bouncing. So he was always prepared to get the rebound. I mean, he's averaging 16, 18, 20 rebounds. The reason the Bulls won championships was in large part to Dennis Rodman. Now, last night during this story of the last dance, there was a part that has got a lot of national play today. During their final season together, the last championship run, Rodman was getting burned out. So he went to Phil Jackson, the head coach, and he said, I need a vacation. I need to get out of here for a little bit. So then the negotiations started, and Jackson, when he wanted a week or more, Jackson's like, no, uh, can we do 48 hours? To which Rodman said, sure, sure, that sounds great. I'll do 48 hours. So then the funny part was Jackson went in to get MJ's buy-off on this, and he said, hey, Dennis needs to get out of here. He said he needs a vacation, to which an incredulous Michael Jordan looked at Phil Jackson and said, look, man, if anybody needs vacation, it's me, which is exactly right. He said, coach, if this guy leaves, he's not coming back in 48 hours. I'm just telling you. Whereas Jackson was all in thinking Dennis was going to do what's right. This turned out to be days, not 48 hours. And it was Jordan that went to get him in a hotel and bring him out. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But the dysfunction of this team at times, when you saw Jerry Krause dancing on the plane and just the players making fun of him, joking with him and joking about him, and the fact that the Bulls broke up because Jerry Krause had an ego that was so big that he wanted to be the leader of the team. He wanted to be a member of the team, and he wasn't. He wasn't happy with just bringing Scottie Pippen in and bringing the star players in to help Michael Jordan to build the team. He deserves all the credit in the world for helping develop that team and putting the pieces together. But he never scored a basket. But it was Jerry Krause that you know exploded this team and basically told Phil Jackson during the last year, it doesn't matter if you're 82-0, and 0, you're not coming back as coach. And when you get rid of a guy that won 11 world titles because you weren't getting enough credit in your estimation, that's putting 
you know, yourself ahead of the team. And then when you say that to Phil Jackson and say, you're not coming back. And the next thing you know, Jordan's like, well, I'm not playing for anybody if it's not him. So you, then the bulls say, well, you know, if Michael leaves, that's on him. It's not, on, but the die has already been cast. You're already saying, I'm going to get rid of the, the head guy and I'm going to get rid of anybody else that's not happy because Jerry Krause wasn't getting the credit that he deserved. That's what it boiled down to. It's a shame because if Krause would have stayed up in the offices and done his job and got the talent, they could have gone on four or five more uh, world titles conceivably. But it was because Jerry Krause wanted the credit that he wasn't able to say, okay, I'm not maybe as important as Phil Jackson or Michael Jordan. He was like, look, if I can't get the stuff that I want and the respect that I'm deserving of, then I'm going to break this thing up. If I'm not a part of the club, I'm going to break up the club. And sadly, that's what's uh, that is what happened. But when you looked at the Detroit Pistons, who were basically the nemesis of the Bulls, the sad part for me watching the Pistons, they were thugs, man. They beat the living hell out of the Bulls. Let's make no mistake. Jordan was basically mugged every time he went to the basket, and the edict from the Pistons coaching staff was when he comes inside, you lay your hands on him, you bump him, you knock him down, and you make him pay. He's not dunking here. Anytime he comes down the middle, hit him. I don't care. I don't care who does it, but let's hit this guy. And time and time again, he got up and he got up and he got up. And then when you saw that the Pistons finally get beaten by the Bulls and the changing of the guard, Bill Lambeer, who whispers to his teammates, let's leave the court. We're not shaking their hand. One of the classless moves in all time history, in my opinion. It's okay to be the bully on the block. It's okay in their regard, because they were the bad boys and lived up to their name. But for what they did to the Bulls by leaving with about eight seconds left in the last game after they got swept was basic uh, baloney, no class, where in past years Michael Jordan stayed after and shook their hands. Like he said, I didn't want to do that. But it was the Pistons who showed no class, and they didn't really care about it. They were like, well, you know, we're just not going to shake their hand. We're not going to show any professionalism. And the big thing about it, Isaiah Thomas, who – not a big fan of, said afterwards, well, that was just the way we were and that's the way we did and that's the way we handle our business. Well, that's not handling your business. It sends a bad message to young kids out there watching. You need to show class and defeat. Nobody likes to lose. Myself, I hate losing more than anything. But when you look at it from a standpoint of the road that you take to get there, you know, pay your opponent the respect and shake the hand. You may not want to do it. You may not feel like doing it, but it's the right thing to do. So the Pistons didn't do that. They walked off like cowards to me, and it was basically baloney. And Jordan even said when the reporter said to him, I've got the video of Isaiah explaining, he said, you can show me all you want. I don't want to see it. I don't care to hear it because basically it's BS to me. So bottom line there, um, let's go to the cut, first of all, from the documentary on ESPN, The Last Dance. The turning point of their championship season was a meeting that uh, Dennis Rodman had with Michael Jordan where he didn't totally apologize, but he met with him afterwards. And let's listen to Michael Jordan talk about the meeting that turned it all around for the world champion, Chicago Bulls. I hear someone knocking on my door at the hotel. Now, Dennis never comes in my room. And he comes and says, man, you got an extra cigar. I went to Michael Jordan's room as for a cigar, but... But I think that he knew the fact that, you know, that I think that's probably his way of me showing him that, you know, man, not, 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 not bad. He didn't say apology. He didn't say anything. 
But by him coming to my room, it was his way of saying, look, man, I f***ed up. And from that point on, Dennis was straight as an arrow. And we started to win. They indeed started to win, and the Bulls started uh, executing, and Rodman finally, uh, more than anything, apologized without apologizing. He asked Jordan for a cigar, and Jordan said he never came to my room. And so it was very odd, but basically they had a coming of the minds together where everybody got together and they finally uh, meeting of the minds and basically were able to work through their, their issues. And then next thing you know, they went on the tear and they went a world title, but it was that meeting that uh, turned things around. And then there's a situation getting back to the room situation in Vegas. Michael Jordan went to the room to get uh, Dennis Rodman to bring him back. Here's MJ talking about that situation. He didn't come back on time. We had to go get his out of bed. And I'm not going to say what's in his bed and where he was and blah, blah, blah. There's a knock on the door. It's Michael Jordan. And I hid. I, 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 didn't, I didn't want him to see me like that. So I, like, I'm just like hiding behind the couch with covers over me. Come on. You, we got to get to practice. Dennis came back and joined the team. And that's the way it went that year. So Dennis Rodman uh, has Carmen Electra hiding behind a couch with a blanket covering her so she doesn't see Michael Jordan, who comes and basically gets him out of the room. So that was interesting. And then Jordan said, I can't tell you what was in his bed, so we don't know how many people were there in the room, but it was quite the, uh, quite the scene to be sure. But Jordan was able to get his man, bring him back to practice. And if you saw when he came back to practice, he came back in slippers and looked like pajamas. He just looked totally unprepared, but he went up there, rode the bike, and finally got back in form and helped the Bulls win a world title. Then the last thing I want you to hear is the grudge situation with Isaiah, the situation about the uh, quote-unquote non-handshake and Jordan's thoughts on Isaiah Thomas. There is no love loss. So let's take a listen to Michael Jordan on Isaiah Thomas. Whatever he says now, you know it wasn't his true actions then. You know, it's time enough to think about it. Or the reaction of the public that's kind of changed his perspective of it. You can show me anything you want. There's no way you can convince me he wasn't an asshole. So Michael Jordan uh, says there's no way you can't uh, ever convince him that Isaiah Thomas wasn't a, uh, let's just put it this way, wasn't a bad guy. But anyway, um, so no love loss there. They've never really uh, patched things up. Of course, it was uh, MJ, many people feel, that froze Isaiah Thomas out of the uh, Dream Team situation. And uh, there was a lot of uh, inner hatred between the two, and it never, ever got resolved and you look at Isaiah talking and trying to justify afterwards that yeah we just didn't shake hands that wasn't part of what we did we had that image and all that that's baloney that's unprofessional uh, you have to shake hands and uh, they avoided that and it made them look bad to me and millions of others because of the fact that they did not uh, show any kind of class in defeat at least Chuck Daly went over to Michael Jordan, gave him a hug. I was very happy to see Chuck Daly, who is no longer with us, but he was classy in defeat. But one of the rare guys, John Sale, John Sally also uh, went over and shook hands, and he ended up being a bull down the road. So you never know how that developed, but it was one of those situations. But I was really 
um, in looking at it overall, I thought the last dance through four episodes has been incredible in terms of the overall presentation, but it was Michael Jordan that many people didn't understand went to Las Vegas and got him out of a hotel room to bring him home. And you look at Rodman and what he brought to that team and how this thing could have gone off the rails. Uh, how many NBA players today would be able to go or any professional sport and say, you know, coach, I, I need a, I need a couple hours, uh, 48 hours, 72 hours to get some time to myself. I mean, all of them would love that, but how many would actually get that? It was a genius of Phil Jackson knowing Dennis Rodman and knowing his mindset that he needed that uh, mental break away from the game. And he came back and he was better than ever. But had Phil Jackson been a hardline guy like maybe a Tom Coughlin and said, no, you're not going anywhere, you're staying right here, there could have been a revolt, it could have been bad feelings, it could have been a really big mess. But Rodman and Jackson, uh, two polar opposite guys, actually had a lot of commonality, and they pulled together, and he gave him his time. But the 48 hours turned into multiple days, and as Jordan said, he's not coming back in 48 hours. You don't understand, this guy's built differently. So it was Jordan that went and got him and brought him back. But he said, and Scottie Pippen went on record saying that when he came to the Bulls, it was like a hand in a glove. And Dennis Rodman gets a big knock on him because of his antics. But it was almost like crazy like a fox with Dennis Rodman. If you pay attention to the glitter and the eyeshadow and the crazy hair and the fingernails and the piercings, you'd say to yourself, this guy's a little wacky out of here. He's really not there. But when you're playing him, he's getting 15, 20 rebounds a game. Every game, you're like, wait a minute, he's crazy like a fox. This guy's beating my brains in. So I don't care that he dresses in a wedding dress or wears wigs or wears different color hair color. When he shows up on game night, he's the best in the business of what he does. And the Bulls don't win a championship without – Dennis Rodman in the lineup, he made things easy for Scotty and for Michael and that staff because uh, that team played so much better with him in the lineup. And when you look at him during the championship runs, I mean, 16, 15, 18 rebounds a game, the guy's just phenomenal. Think about this overall. Uh, they had an asterisk uh, there in terms of uh, a factoid they were talking about where he had, I believe it was 20 games with where he didn't score a point, but he had 20 rebounds in 20 games. And the next closest guy had done that in two games. So Rodman was masterful and will go down in NBA history as, if not the greatest rebounder, one of the greatest rebounders of all time. Just phenomenal uh, body position. A guy that wasn't the biggest guy in the world, but his hops, the way he got up quickly, was able to out-jump people, and he was like a pogo stick. And they say that he had the durability and the ability to just uh, get stronger as the game went on and was able to get key rebounds when the Bulls needed it most. But it was just a phenomenal series so far through four episodes. It just really leaves you wanting more. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. The Last Dance, and uh, kudos to ESPN on an incredible performance in terms of the Last Dance presentation through four episodes. But it was uh, Michael Jordan, no love for Isaiah Thomas, a lot of love for Dennis Rodman. And Jordan said, hey, you know, Dennis was a guy that uh, we really met together, came together, and that led us to a championship. So Last Dance, please, if you get a chance to watch it, it's on Sunday night. Uh, it'll be on this Sunday again at 9 p.m. Eastern time. Going to take a timeout, come back and close it out. You're listening to Sports King on Sports 106.1. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Joe Theismann, and you're listening to the Sports King with Jamie King.
Hi, it's the Sports King, Jamie King, and I'm here to offer you truly life-changing advice. If you or someone you know suffers from foot pain, don't delay. Take immediate action and visit the podiatry centers of Dr. Paul Ross with two offices to serve you, Bethesda, Maryland, and Springfield, Virginia. I know firsthand he changed my life and totally restored my foot. He will do the same for you. That's the podiatry center of Dr. Paul Ross. For more information, go to paulrossdpm.com. That's paulrossdpm.com. With 19 NCAA Division I sports and 84 majors, Coastal Carolina University affords student-athletes the competition and learning they crave. From FBS football to ladies volleyball, from championship baseball to ladies lacrosse, from business to theater arts, Coastal Carolina University offers a depth of learning both on the field and in the classroom. Eager ambition is a hallmark of students and faculty at Coastal Carolina University. Schedule a tour and learn more at coastal.edu. Hi, I'm Tim Cosgrove, General Manager at CMA's Colonial Honda. It's no secret that we're in uncharted waters, but that doesn't mean we should be afraid. Because now is an opportunity to do something heroic. We realize that this is the time to organize a blood drive, help our elderly neighbors with groceries, and assist local nonprofits. And that's exactly what CMA's Colonial Honda is doing. In fact, we set up a helpline to assist people in our community in any way that we can. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance, you can reach our CMA helpline at 434-220-8885. Again, our CMA helpline is 434-220-8885. And of course, if you're in need of any automotive help, we are taking extra precautions to keep our dealership clean. To learn more, visit cmascolonialhonda.com. We applaud you for helping one another during this time. You have inspired us to do the same. CMA's Colonial Honda, moving lives forward. You're listening to a man whose future is so bright, he's got to wear shades. The Sports King on Sports 1061. so much. Thank you, Rick Flair. We appreciate it. Thank you, London, England. Hello, Charlotte, North Carolina. Hello, South Carolina. Hello, New Orleans, Sacramento, California. Thank you all for tuning in today to Sports King. Want to let you know, Ben Maitland, my outstanding producer, just mentioned during the commercial break that Chip Ganassi Racing has announced that number 42, the car previously driven by Kyle Larson, who was relieved of duties due to the racist comments that he made, will be replaced by Matt Kenseth. He will be driving for Chip Ganassi Racing in the 42. They thought it might be Ross Chastain, but they decided that uh, it will be Matt Kenseth. And, of course, uh, Ryan Newman has announced uh, through Ben, basically, that uh, he is feeling really well and that he'll be back driving his vehicle when NASCAR resumes. So good news there. want to let you know in our final moments, of course, we had an NFL draft uh, review with the Redskins. I gave them a C-. Uh, we want to let you know that uh, the last dance, uh, we just played some of those comments from Michael Jordan. And, of course, uh, Tom Woods mentioned uh, to me during the break on Facebook Live that uh, he likes Jordan as the best of all time. I agree 100%. He also mentioned, what about Len Bias? That would have been great. Len Bias, my Len Bias story, I met Lenny Bias two weeks before he passed away. And this is before cell phones and all that. So, uh wasn't able to get a picture, and he said, don't worry about it. We'll get a picture later, and didn't get an autograph, anything. Just hung out with him for a little bit, and then two weeks later, he passed away, of course, after being drafted by the Boston Celtics of the cocaine overdose and just a devastating day for the sports world, and um, one of those guys that you just wish you could have seen play with Larry Bird. He was just such a great player, 
and uh, amazing, amazing uh, young man and just a huge loss in uh, the basketball world. And uh, all of us wonder what would have happened with the Celtics had he survived, but it did not happen. And uh, just a sad passing, Lenny Bias, the Maryland great, one of the greatest players to ever play, in my opinion. And he could have been maybe as good as Jordan or up in that upper echelon. He would have been that great a player uh, had he survived. Anyway, we want to thank all of you for tuning in on Facebook Live and all of you listening around the world and throughout the United States. We thank you so much for joining us on the Sports King. We want to let you know that tomorrow on tomorrow's show will be joined by Virginia Tech former defensive coordinator Bud Foster will be my special guest. You don't want to miss that here on Sports King show tomorrow uh, around the 10 o'clock hour. We're on from 10 to noon. Don't forget Big Al Sports Phone is on from 8 to 10 every morning live. We're live from uh, 10 to 12 noon. Immediately following me, we go to Los Angeles. Jim Rome in the jungle in Los Angeles joins you right after my program, which ends in just a few minutes. And I want to take some time out to say a few thank yous, of course, to our frontline folks out there, the nurses and the doctors. And folks, I know we're one day closer to where we want to be, but we're not where we want to be right now. And uh, you see so many things changing, and we hope for the better. Uh, we're hearing different restaurants are starting to try to open up. We hope that happens uh, soon. Uh, and some of the really uh, the things that we've just kind of uh, missed so much, like the movie theaters and and all the different folks out there uh, wanting to return to a movie theater or just the bookstores and the malls and the places that uh, we want to see uh, return. We want them to uh, to all open back up uh, because we miss them. We miss them terribly. I mean, just going to the library and going to, uh, you know, any place that you've come accustomed to going and now you can't, it's just uh, very frustrating. But we hope they open up soon. We want to remind you, if you have the opportunity uh, and you have something extra, maybe an extra dish that you've prepared and you have a neighbor that uh, you know is alone, give them a call. Drop it off. Uh, uh, give them a little something to smile about. Uh, give somebody a call in the neighborhood. Cheer them up. Remember, we're about lifting people up, folks. That's what it's all about. you got to be lifting people up. Everything you do to help somebody remember, you're a hero. Uh, if you give somebody a call today, if you give somebody an email, a letter, anything you do, goes a long way. We need more of that from everybody out there. And your little part, you may say, well, I just called the neighbor to check on them. That's a hero to me, folks, because you're helping other people. And that's something that's very important because right now people out there, there are folks that are widowed, there are veterans or people maybe in your neighborhood. Uh, if you haven't seen them out a lot, just give them a call. Hey, Mrs. Jones, just want to say hi and uh, just want to check in on you. And maybe I have an extra couple rolls of paper towels, or maybe I have uh, some extra, uh, uh, pieces of pie or something I could drop off or just something to brighten somebody's day. And if you do that every day, uh, we're getting one step closer and you're helping so many people with that kind of positivity. So we've got a couple minutes left. Uh, and just remember, uh, attitude of gratitude in everything you do. Uh, and also the blood banks, the, uh, Red Cross, if you contact your local Red Cross and your blood mobile, uh, please, please, uh, if you can, we're in low blood supply. So if you can safely get to a blood bank, please offer to give up uh, some blood to help others. And it's very, very vital that we do this and uh, maybe call the local hospitals and get some name of some of the frontline people, send them a little email, even a few emails uh, mean the world to the frontline folks. And the fact that we appreciate them so much, of course, Ben, my producer, his mom's a nurse. We appreciate what she does. 
and all the doctors and nurses and people putting themselves in harm's way. We want to thank the truckers out there, the people delivering the food, the people that are working the grocery stores that are putting the stuff on the shelves and making sure we have what we need. The FedEx drivers, UPS drivers, you see them reach out and say hello. You can open the door and say, hey, thank you for doing that because these folks are out there doing it every day for us. So the bottom line is attitude of gratitude. It's okay to show love. It's okay to show happiness. It's okay to make people smile. That's what we're here for. Got to remember, lift people up. And if we do that, everybody does it every day. It's really going to make a difference, folks. And we're in this together. We're going to get through this together. It can't happen soon enough. I want to go out as much as everybody out there does. And you want to return. You want to see some sports return. We love the draft coming back. I thought they did a great job. I don't think my team did as great a job as I had hoped, but uh, that's another story for another day. But all in all, it was nice to see something in the sports world happen as far as the NFL draft. So uh, today and every day, remember the attitude of gratitude. Be grateful for every little thing you have in your life. And yes, there are many of us that don't have everything we want, but uh, you know, there's a long list of people there. But be happy if you have family in your life and friends and people that care about you and people look in on you, then you have everything. Remember that. And uh, material things come and go, but friends, family, and people that you really love, that's what's most important. And embrace those people and tell them you love them today. And tell your neighbors you're thinking of them. It'll come back to you in many ways, seen and unseen. And that's going to wrap up the Sports King show for today. We want to thank Ben back in the studio working so hard. We want to thank all of you for joining us around the country throughout the United States. Hello, London, England. Thank you for joining us, Ralph Faulkner. And remember, the Redskins get a C-minus grade tomorrow on the show. It'll be Bud Foster. The outstanding defensive former coordinator of uh, the Virginia Tech Hokies is going to be my special guest. And it has been a great day today on a Monday. And tomorrow, one step closer, folks, to where we want to be. Just keep the faith, stay positive, and smile. And uh, we're going to get there one step at a time. For Ben Maitland on the Sports King, Jamie King, have a great day, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow.